off quick yeah i know round <laughs> first round yeah i'm already like Ugh, can i make it through a movie tonight i still have to watch a movie uh, it's like work it's, it's like someone gave some you point so a job that doesn't pay yeah hey listeners welcome back to chewing the scenery horror movie podcast we are a podcast that talks about a horror movie or several and uh we're not professional critics we may spoil these movies. I mean, we're going to spoil these movies. We'll try not to spoil the recently watched. Um, unless it's so old that your grandparents went and saw it for a dime. And uh, all that other curmudgeonly stuff they did. Up yeah. in, uphill in the snow to get to the, the cinema. And, you know, popcorn was a nickel or whatever. I don't know what, what was going on there. Popcorn was free. Yeah. They paid you to take it. Right how old it was <laughs> so uh, we're your hosts i'm richard i'm here with will hello and jolian oh and thank you to the moon Rays for giving us that song intro creature features we play that at the top of the show because it's awesome you can say hi to them on facebook where there are the moon dash rays you can buy their music digitally on itunes or amazon guys i want to kick off the recently watched because i actually right. got to watch something <laughs> is that cool Something with Lisa Lang. I did watch a, a documentary. Well, it's a docu series. Uh, I think it's This Life with a Lisa, mockumentary with Lisa Lang. It's on CNN anyway. Okay. So basically, it's this uh, reporter woman who goes around to different places and interviews people and meets people and gets kind of investigative about a thing that people in America might be um, dealing with or living with or perpetrating. And I did watch the one about the MS-13 gang. and that That's was... that gang that goes around and mocks movies, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. They're critics. They That's what they critics. are. They are critics. Yeah. They are. It's all in Spanish, though. It is. So, you know. So, you know. If you don't speak it, you don't know what they're doing. Uh, I did also watch her episode about the meth epidemic in Oklahoma. Holy crap. I had no idea it would be that bad in Oklahoma. One of the uh, sheriff guys was like, you know, well, we're going to get ready to, you know, bust this uh, meth house. And they did. And like, people just kept coming out and coming out. And the, and the one guy says, we got a real clown car of a meth house here. Wow. <laughs> like 13 people came out of it. It was pretty crazy. So yeah, Oklahoma. Where Not a lot to do there, I guess. You know what you can do to support your meth habit there? What? Cattle rustling. Oh, okay. For real. <laughs> People stealing cows. To pay for meth. Yeah. How much meth do you think you can get for a cow? Hmm. You can get three magic beans. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if, you, if you know your stories well. Um, I watched a documentary on 
uh, like Nat Geo or something uh, about the Donner Party. Eh, not that many of them really died. Like, no, like, I don't think so. Like eighty of them headed out, and like thirty of them, thirty-six of them died. So I'm like, it's it, you can look it up. I don't, I'm not going to. That's a pretty big chunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's the good thing about a donor party, Will? Uh, well, you know, they they tell you when you ask if you should bring something, say just yourself. <sighs> yep. There it is. Insert rim shot sound effect there. Um. I'm a day behind. Uh, I looked at I looked at what day it was, and I was busy getting ready for the Oddities and Curiosities Expo tomorrow. Every night, all this week, and I went, oh, this was October 1st, damn it. And it was already after midnight, so I missed the first day. I'll make up for it. I'm still going to watch 31 movies this month, I think. I have, so far, watched Frankenstein vs. the Wolfman, 1943. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is the hammiest thing that um, Lon Chaney Jr. does when he first falls through into that ice cave kind of area. This thing where he rolls around on the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like he's fighting an invisible man, but he's not. And he hasn't found uh, the Frankenstein monster yet. He's just like, row, row, row. And he just like kind of flings himself this way and that. And I'm thinking, God, he looks drunk. Wait a minute. It may have been. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the more the, the Wolfman series goes on, the more it kind of resembles his actual life. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah, it's kind of, it lends it more pathos, I think. Yeah, he's passed out and these two guys find him. Yeah, it's like sometimes at night I forget where I am. And I wake <laughs> up and my clothes are wrecked and the, the hotel room's wrecked. Yep. Mm. Yes, like in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, they go in his hotel room and it's been trashed. And he's like lying there in a heap on the couch. And uh, and Lou goes, like, someone had a bender last night. Uh, yeah. Who wrote that? <laughs> um, and Bela Lugosi played uh, the Frankenstein monster in that one, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as well as a couple of other stuntmen. Eddie Parker did a lot of the stunts. Okay. Yeah, there was some... some uh, Good scuffling going yeah, he, on. Yeah, he was so sick. I mean, he was about 60, 60 years old and hooked yeah. on morphine by that point. So Yeah. And legend has it that um, Lon Chaney Jr. was being kind of an asshole to him, but I don't know if that's really true. He also, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. played the monster again. Yeah. At, is it in that one or is it House of... I think it's House of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm wrong. It's so weird. Like you don't have like people think, oh, it's Boris Karloff or Glenn Strange. No, you got a couple other guys. Yeah, yeah. Bri- it's just briefly because um, Glenn Strange uh, wrecked his leg uh, in an accident playing the monster. Yeah. Oh wow. In the lab scene, so just for a second, you can see it's Lon Chaney. Oh, that's interesting. I guess I hadn't thought of that. Um, none of it stacks up to the bride, though. <laughs> I, I really like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. It's like yeah, I enjoy you, it. If you just see it as a Wolfman movie where Frankenstein turns up at the end, yeah, uh, it's got Alona Massey in it. She's great. Yeah, um, she's in Invisible Agent as well. And you, you know that one. Obviously, they made it for money, but it's almost like they just made this one for fun. You know, mm-hmm. the, and money, and, yeah. but mostly money. <laughs> yeah, but a little bit of fun. Hey, let's have some fun on the they way to the bank. They could turn into money. <laughs> right. Yeah, if people think, oh, things were different back then. No, they weren't. 
No. <laughs> they were worse in some aspects. I mean, if you listen to, um, uh, you, you must remember this, that podcast, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Karina Longworth, uh, she really reveals a lot of stuff that you would never imagine was going on in the studio system in the twenties. And, uh, all those pre-code movies and, mm-hmm. and all the, all these, uh, things that the studios were able to get away with, like keeping someone locked under this impossible contract and making ridiculous amounts of movies and the amount of money that was coming in. And they're like, Oh, in today's dollars, that would have been like, you know, half a million bucks a week to just not make any movies while you're waiting to make your next movie and stuff like that. And you're like, Whoa, all right. Um, and the other one I watched was Frankenstein 1931. Hmm. And, uh, that one is just, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, a comfortable little pair of slippers. And you just put them on. Yeah. Yeah. I always enjoy watching those again because that was absolutely my happy place in my childhood was the old Universal Studios monster movies. Mm. Even the ones that weren't as great. Well, that's better than watching some other. Oh, yeah, they're all, they're all fun. Yeah. So that was it for me. Um, what did you watch this week, Jolly? Oh, um, I watched uh, The X from Outer Space. Okay, yeah. From 1967, which is uh, like the one and only giant monster movie that came out of Shochiku Studios. Um, this has a creature in it called Gilala. Uh, and it's got several like uh, Western actors in it. Oh, okay. Does the name uh, mean anything, the, uh, the monster's name? Uh, the nearest I can figure, I don't know for sure, uh, but... Uh, this it, it's got various bird-like attributes. Like someone even refers to it as a giant chicken. I mean, mm. in several mm. reviews they refer to it as a giant chicken. It's, it's got like a beak and like a, kind of bird-like, uh, you know, claws and feet. Okay. Um, uh, the nearest I can figure is it's a, a play on the Spanish uh, aguila, which is eagle. Oh, okay. And in fact, there's a. Um, there's a Spanish kind of psych shoegaze band called Linda Gilala. Hmm. Named, named in turn after the movie. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I always like watching that one. That's it, great. It's great. Beautiful Galara, I guess. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, and then, uh, yeah, and then the, the movie of the week. Oh, okay. So how, how was watching at the House of No Frankenstein? Uh, well, I watched, uh, uh, I watched, uh, for the first day of 31 for 31 mm-hmm. Halloween, we watched the killing of a sacred deer. Oh yeah. That's a revisit for you, right? No, I hadn't oh. seen it yet. Oh, what did you think? I loved it. That yeah. was fantastic. Uh, the next night we watched Shriek of the Mutilated. <laughs> By Julian's recommendation. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, fantastic <laughs> i i liked it it had a great twist at the end yeah you know uh i won't spoil that one <laughs> even though it came out in 1974 i think yeah too early for cage yeah yeah too early but uh ooh, that was a good one uh then we watched beyond the black rainbow mm. how was that our friend panos yeah. cosmatos uh-huh um yeah have you seen it no okay uh, you've I, seen it you I, didn't care for it jolie i wasn't that keen on it I didn't, yeah didn't no it. uh i didn't hate it but yeah i'm not keen on it mm. uh 
Eugene, you hated it. We also, fa- I fast forward to the end. Because at some point I was just like, this isn't going anywhere. It's just style. <laughs> so it's all style. Has she so ruled out biosphere movies now? She's ruled out movies made by Greeks. <laughs> People with Greek names. <laughs> um, um, no. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what to think of uh, of Panos' movies. They're, um, I fear that there's nothing there, that it's all style over substance, that mm-hmm. there was no emotional grounding in anything in Black Rainbow. It was only creepy because you've seen movies that have the same things be creepy in them. Um, mm. I really, I don't know. At the same time, I wonder, like, am I missing something in his work? Am I not catching something? Because... I don't know. I feel like I'm watching a puzzle, maybe. If I watch it again, mm-hmm. something will click. But so far, I, I don't, I'm ruling that out. I don't think that's correct because. Do you ever feel, I don't know. You ever feel that way about Lynch's movies? Lynch's movies, I feel, have some sort of emotional uh, weight to them. Of course. That things happen and they. They may not be logical, but they're emotionally consistent. And okay. I found Beyond the Black Rainbow to be completely devoid of any sort of feeling. It was all just inch deep mood. Okay. Um, some awesome scenes. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be great if he just maybe worked on somebody else's script. That's probably a good idea. Um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I just feel like there's no, uh, no emotional weight behind anything he does. It just, it's stuff that, I don't know what you're supposed to feel. I don't know what you're supposed to get out of any of it. Right. So, uh, that's by far the worst we've watched of the, uh, 31 so far. And last night we watched Island Claws. Mm. Island Claws, C L A W S. Yes. Okay. Not. Not. Like, not Santa. Yeah, like Santa Claus yeah. in the islands. Or insanity. <laughs> this is on uh, Amazon Prime. It is. Have you seen it? No. No, I'm going to see it. Though. Yes, please do. It's uh, um, the premise is some radioactive waste causes giant crabs. Oh. That's that's the plot. Mm-hmm. Um. Unfortunately, the giant crab doesn't show up till the very end of the movie. Oh. I try not to spoil it. Um, do they there's kill a giant it? crab. Do they kill it with special shampoo? Yes, and okay. a little comb. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, there were a lot of crab jokes while we watched that movie. <laughs> Just nothing but crab jokes. Uh, they, uh, yeah, they sell they sell you on a big crab, and then they don't. Don't pay you till the very end. That's too bad. So you have people freaking out over regular size crabs. Oh. And they're supposed to be Floridians. And you just figure, these people live on the beach. They see these crabs all the time. Why is he freaking out? Because some are inside. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think they built a great giant crab at the end. It's a fantastic model for 
a movie I'd never heard of. That's that, amazing. You know, that when the production company has the same title as the movie, mm. sometimes a bad sign. Yeah. So <laughs> Island Claws Productions presents Island Claws. <laughs> an island, yes, an Island Claws film produced by Island Claws, starring Island Claws. <laughs> so, and tonight we're watching The Fog. The Fog, all right. That's, that's coming back to cinemas this month, isn't it? Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, Gene's never seen it, and it's been oh. a million years since I've seen The Fog. Okay, uh, do you have a proper edition of it? We have whatever's on Amazon. Oh, okay. So we'll see. If it looks really cruddy, I'll borrow a copy yeah yeah you should see on blu-ray because otherwise the all the the fog looks so it's such a mess of pixels oh okay well we'll see yeah because sometimes they look great other times yeah we watched something recently oh an episode of uh sneaky pete that was like did we pirate this off youtube (laughs) this is crap just super like uh pixelated is everybody watching this one episode maybe everyone's gumming up the tubes yeah they're they're just uh causing a power surge in in the in the pixelator one thing i did not watch this week was a guilty pleasure oh i've been too busy and uh i didn't think about it in time i should have watched something last night it was a guilty pleasure but well, now you're going to have to pretend you really liked Island Claws and that you secretly watch it all the time. Yes. So I secretly watch Beyond the Black Rainbow all the time. <laughs> seeking an answer. To... Seeking an answer. So we have officially passed the three-year mark. All right. I mean, for reals. And uh, this is when the money rolls in, right? I think this is where, yeah. You, you don't pay yourself for the first two years and then... Yeah, the next, or something. Yeah, then the next year, I don't know what that is. So yeah, we've done this for three solid years, and uh, wow, we talked about a lot of movies. Yeah, and our better halves have put up with a lot of movies. Yeah, and uh, it's all we watch anymore are horror movies, just because of us and our stupid podcast. Then when I watch something normal, I keep waiting for something spooky. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Um, so. What is your definition of a guilty pleasure, Will? I would say we... I was talking to Gene this morning about this. Um, I would think a guilty pleasure would be something like Mother's Day. Okay. That we watched. A guilty pleasure... It's a guilty pleasure because... I would say it's a movie that's not terribly good. So it doesn't have to be objectively bad. No, it doesn't have to be objectively bad. It just has to be something that's not necessarily good that you enjoy. Um, Gene brought up uh, the CW Vampire Diaries show. Okay. It's like, it's not a good show, but enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. So, and I'd be kind of maybe embarrassed to mention it to someone. Like Mother's Day, I don't think I could ever recommend to right, anyone because right. they'd put you on a list. But perhaps if I knew somebody had some bizarre taste in movies, right? I gotta go. Oh, have you seen Mother's Day? Um, and I would say a guilty pleasure is something. Uh, there, I don't quite know uh, what the uh, where the line is, but there is a line between uh, guilty pleasure 
and some like Mother's Day and something like Entrails of a Beautiful Woman, where I'm almost. You're more delighted than you should be with it. Yeah, but it's it's like I wouldn't admit to anyone that I liked that movie. Right. Like if people mentioned it, I'd go, "What? No, I've never heard of that." Whereas Mother's Day, if it came up in conversation, and go, "Yeah, I like that movie. They killed that old woman with a inflatable breast pillow. That ticks some box somewhere." Right. <laughs> yeah, I think a, a guilty pleasure it can't just be not good. There has to be something that you feel that you should feel bad about liking this movie. Exactly. Something that offends you morally, but you still like it. (laughs) Or, or you're, or you're in somebody else's world where you don't belong. For, for example, um, I used to watch Sabrina, the teenage witch. Okay. Which that is meant for young adult audience. Yes. But adults should be able to find something really funny in it too. I think, I liked that maybe more than I should because it had that really crappy puppet, uh, Salem, the, yes. the black cat. And he just had some dude's voice, some voice actor guy. It was hilarious. Oh, like, yeah. Who was that guy? Nick DiPaolo or somebody. <laughs> and I liked that show more than I should have, considering that I wasn't, you know, like uh, 16 to 23 years old or, yeah. or whatever their demographic was supposedly... And that's a spinoff of the Archie comics in the Are first place. Are you going to watch the new Sabrina, the Teenage Witch? I'll give it a shot. Which is Netflix. <laughs> Who's in it? Original. Uh, Do we know Kier- yet? Kierna Shipka, huh. who huh. played uh, Sally Draper on Mad Men. Oh, really? Yeah. I would know. watch that. Yeah, she was a good actress. To, it's supposed to be a dark take. Oh, like the Riverdale. Uh, the Riverdale, which I've not watched. I've but. watched three of them, and I can hang with it. I just haven't gotten past the first three yet. Yeah, um, and that okay. So See, bu- that's a CW show. That could be a total guilty pleasure. Sure. For a sort of, I don't think it's a moral thing that you're against, but it's a, it's just a quality, maybe age appropriateness right like i heard a co-worker today say that her brother honestly and he this is a grown man <laughs> sincerely likes some barbie 3d animated uh mermaid movie so he's... he showed it to her that this co-worker is like you know is, who's his sister he's like yeah i want you to check out this movie i really love it and he he lent her the copy and she was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not, I'm not falling for that. I'm not watching some Barbie movie. And he was like, no, no, I really like this. And she was like, no, I'm not going to watch it. So he had her over and he put it on and she was wow. like, yeah, it was okay. I mean, you know, but he genuinely liked it for some reason. Something appealed to him. It sounds like a brony who graduated from my little pony. Maybe. Um, and you guys are familiar with bronies, right? Yeah. Uh, I sat with a guy. I was coming back Not from... Not personally. Well, I've only met one brony in person. Uh, and I saw this guy coming up the aisle, and he was like the last one on the airplane when I was coming back from some horror con in Chicago. It was flashback weekend. I'm not sure which year. And I saw this guy, and I thought, you know what? People are looking at him like he's weird, and they're not offering him a seat. I just kind of motioned like, hey, there's a seat. And uh, he's kind of a big guy, so he needed the aisle seat. And so I just switched and let him have the aisle seat. 
and uh, he was wearing some My Little Pony t-shirt and he had like a pink phone with, you know, like a tassel hanging off of it or something. And I just thought, you know what, whatever works for you, whatever blows your hair back, you know, this is yeah. what, this is what he's into. And, uh, and I'm from like a similar thing, but completely different, you know, completely opposite, but similar kind of, uh, of a scene, you know, like horror fans are definitely devout. You know, that, that was one thing I wanted to bring up was guilty pleasures and horror films. Uh, there is kind of hard to discuss because horror films themselves aren't necessarily like the best movies around. Right. I think they can be. I think horror films can be great, but more often than not, you watch one and you go, oh, that was really good for a horror film. Or, that was right. a really good horror film. Yeah, there's always that qualifier. You know, but occasionally you watch one and you go, that was that was a great film. Right. You know. Yeah, there have been some horror movies that I... So, yeah, it comes down to this quality issue of where right. where does the guilty pleasure fall? Right. You know, why do you, why are you guilty for liking, you know? Yeah. I guess some people in some elements of society would be like, mm, all horror films are kind of guilty pleasures. I don't think that, you know, but... Uh, and some people are that way about, like, their true crime documentary shows whether it's a series or yeah. a mini series or <clears throat> a, an actual documentary, like a movie. Um, and, uh, I was doing, um, a horror hound in Indianapolis and, uh, uh, the guy, Robert, who I was uh, working with, we were at, uh, like an IHOP or something. And our waitress was talking to us about what shirts we were wearing. It's like nowhere near Halloween yet. And, yeah. uh, we're wearing horror t-shirts and I've got horror tattoos on my right arm and, uh, my would, little pony on his lap. Right. And, uh, and so this, this waitress was like, yeah, you're basically saying, yeah, I'm into some horror movies, but I, I like true crime stuff. And you could tell it's kind of like that guilty pleasure thing. Like yeah, with some coworkers, you wouldn't say too much because it sounds like, oh, you're the creeper that really likes mm. serial killers or whatever. And it's yeah. like, no, the shows about them is not the same as being one. But, uh, then I got to tell her about the, uh, the guy that I got in a scrap with in seventh grade who ended up being a serial killer. Oh man. I told you about this guy. I'm sure. Uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't oh, think so. Oh. No. Well, there's a series. You made a kid into a serial killer. No, he was out of his way. Him? I tried to stop him. No, I tried he, to stop him. He picked a fight with me and uh-huh. I didn't back down and some adults intervened and there wasn't an actual fight. He tried to punch me and I blocked it. And before I could properly slug him one, and th- there were, there were adults. Hmm. Uh, and this guy, um, he, he was featured on this show, uh, that's called buried in the backyard. Oh, okay. You didn't mention that. I think I did. Okay. So he was, uh, the one, uh, killer by the coast, I think is the episode he was featured on. And, uh, that doesn't they, narrow it down any killer by the coast. <laughs> yeah. There's gotta be a lot of killers by a lot of coasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically what it comes down to is they caught him early enough. He didn't kill that many people. Well, that's not a nice way to say it. He could have gone on to kill a lot more and I'm glad he didn't. They got him after two murders. Oh, series so he's of not two. a serial killer. I think yeah. you have to kill three. Mm, I think it's two or more. I thought it was three or more. Well, be that listeners. Yeah. <laughs> right um, in. Yes. On the back of an ear. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and send it to Will's house. Um, so not, okay, here's the thing. Not guilty about this one. The one I'm going to talk about is Return of the Living Dead, 1985. Jolien, what's yours going to be? Uh, Nightmare City. Nightmare City. Okay. All right. Um, have you ever uh, recommended this or talked about it with someone and had them just kind of shake their head at you? Return of the Living Dead? No. Nightmare no, si- I, Nightmare I don't. City. Oh, Nightmare City. Oh, Nightmare City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a. Is that who? Who did that one? Is that a full? I don't know. I don't know this one. Roberto Lindsay. Oh, okay. Lindsay. Yeah. So it's Italian horror. Yeah, it's an Italian film. It's on Prime right now. Is it? Yeah, I almost watched it last night. Okay. And then I saw Island Claws, and oh well, you I made, was like, made a good choice. Big crabs. I can't <laughs> pass up a movie with big crabs. Exactly. Yeah. Even though it was only one single <laughs> big crab. But it was a killer on the coast. <laughs> but it was a killer on the coast. It was indeed. <laughs> They almost start a race riot, those crabs. Do they? Yeah. Between crustaceans? No, between people, but oh, they're racist, those crabs. Are they? Yeah, you'll see. So, um, what do you think? I know of... I've seen Return of the Living Dead, but it's been a long time. Has it? Yeah. I've got it on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. And it looks gorgeous. I mm. might have to borrow it. Yeah. It, it's great because uh, the, the movie starts with a title card that says July 3rd. Uh, I don't know if it says the year, but it says like 3.30 p.m. or whatever. And uh, so a lot of people post about this on Instagram when it's that day at that time or okay. whatever. You know, it's it, in the context of the movie, it's supposed to be going into Fourth of July weekend. And uh, this kid is starting a new job. He's supposed to be like a high school kid or whatever. And... Um, He's not that counterculture at all, um, but a bunch of his friends are movie punks, and uh, yeah, they're, they're just they're, they're classic eighties punks. <laughs> they're movie so, punks. Yeah, I mean, all, all they needed to do was run into a street gang that were all wearing like headbands or whatever on rollerblades. Yeah, so um, it's great because you get a little of everything you would want from an eighties movie, and. It seems self-aware that it's a comedy. I mean, it can't not. Oh, yeah, yeah. It can't not be self-aware. Yeah. But uh, the production on this thing basically came down to John Russo had always who, who uh, co-wrote *Night of the Living Dead* mm-hmm. with uh, um, Romero, George Romero, and uh, they they had had some sort of a not necessarily falling out or disagreement, but I think they needed to sort of uh, divide up the the spoils of. Uh, all that sweet, sweet money that they were making off of Night of Living Dead um, and, and kind of go their separate ways with what they wanted to do creatively. And so Russo got to use the Living Dead part of it. And mm. I guess that's kind of what he did. He couldn't call anything Night of. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, he, uh, Romero got the dead. Okay. And Russo got Living Dead. Oh, okay. Um and also Russo, had, he'd done a, uh, he'd done a, a story uh, after the Night of the Living Dead, and that came out. He he developed it into a novel, oh. Re- Return of the Living Dead in the early seventies. Okay. Which I had and and loved and read over and over. So I was mm. kind of disappointed when the comedy one came out. Oh. oh. So was it at the all? The book, book must be much more serious. Yeah, it's just a straightforward sequel oh, okay. to Night of the Living Dead. Just, 
Oh, nice. And had nothing to do with up, the storyline. The scale, yeah, it's nothing like the the movie. Okay, so there's no split dogs. So what the, there's elements in it like uh, where uh, because this has been going on for a little while, people have learned to you know you have to get them in the head. So there's always like um, uh, news about spiking your relatives in the head when they're dead. Oh, okay. Which turned up in the Rousseau's re-edit of Night of the Living Dead. Okay. When they stuck some more bits in. Mm. Uh, yeah, I have that copy of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And you remember me criticizing, like, uh, having that Anton LaVey-looking priest yes. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I'll lend you the book if you want. Ooh, I would love to read that. Yeah. So, um... Well, if you if if we want to go into this one, um, sure, yep, yep, go for it. Okay, so this one isn't an according to Hoyle guilty pleasure, really, because I don't feel any guilt about liking this one. It it ticks so many boxes for someone who loves horror movies, who who enjoys the '80s stuff, um, you know, from having seen it the first time around. I can't say that maybe I always loved this stuff. Over time, there might have been times where it's like, oh, I'm sick of just you know, like the movie channels always, you know, playing the old lady stuff over and over because they could get it for cheap for whatever number of years. It's like, let's get some new stuff. Let's see what's coming out. And then nothing really good happened for a few years. And then all of a sudden, 28 days later and the um, Dawn of the Dead remake, which I considered that one as a possibility because so many people bagged on that one. And I actually truly enjoyed it. Of course, I think of it separately from the original. I don't think of them as, oh, this one tried to improve it. So yeah, no. I, I do enjoy the Dawn of the Dead remake for for what it is. And uh, Return of the Living Dead. All right. I either saw this when it came out or saw it when it first came to video as a rental. And really enjoyed it. Friends and I used to watch this thing back in the day on VHS or when it came to cable, we used to watch this all the time and really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I recognized the first time around. I thought, Oh, maybe they just weren't as adept at filmmaking and this thing is kind of funny. And do they know it's funny? <laughs> you know, and what did I know? I was 18 or 19, you know? So it was, it was actually meant to be a comedy. Um, uh, this had, uh, a script by Dan O'Bannon mm-hmm. based on a story by John Russo. I think, or did they co-write? Let's see. I think I have notes on this. Uh, he's got a, a story writer credit on the film for developing the project, but it, uh, that has to do with his novel, I guess is what the notes here have. Uh, so it was really a Dan O'Bannon. So the guy who brought you alien, he's, uh, yeah, largely responsible for this story. So in the story, this guy is at this job, and I think it's his uncle who who uh, runs uh, Unita Medical Supply. And uh, if you need it, we got it, I think the sign says, something like that. And it's uh, it's supposed to be like this really big medical supply warehouse. And inside, it just looks like a kind of a dingy, rinky-dink operation. But he's got everything, all different grades of skeletons. He's got split dogs. Yeah. You know what a split dog is, Will? No, it's a split dog. It's a dog that's been cut in half, and it's for veterinary schools to use to uh, educate people on what's inside a dog. Yeah, my my friends named their band after it. Split (laughs) dogs. That's great. So um, I don't know if a split dog's a real thing. I never looked into it. I I would assume it's not. 
but uh, if you saw Body Worlds like Will did, mm. yes, then it seems maybe like anything's possible. Uh, so, <laughs> so you, you came out then. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> Do you remember what you told me about Body Worlds? Yes. Like the most boring serial killer or something. No, you said never have I been simultaneously bored and grossed out yes. at the same time. That was right. Was there a smell to the place? No. Okay, so they no, really they was don't smell at all. It really was sealed. They're totally plasticized. Yeah, yeah, they were totally prisoners that they killed. Yeah. Uh, you you know that that thing wasn't on the level. Mm-mm. How'd they get that through customs? I don't know. Basically, shipping containers full of dead bodies. Yeah. Split humans. Hope they caught that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Eagle. Eagle, yeah. Um. So, uh, so this guy, uh, what's the young guy's name? Frank. Who's what's the kid's name? I don't know. Yeah. It says right there, Bert. Uh, oh, Freddie. Uh, yeah, Freddie is the kid. Oh. Um, Frank is the uncle, I believe. Um. The only name I remember is Trash. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, okay, so it's Freddy's first day at work. His uncle is giving him the tour of the place and explaining what everything is. And there's different grades of skeleton. He even tells him that there's cadavers. And he takes them into the walk-in cooler. And they've got them hanging from like a, you know, those those old ice-carrying uh, hook thingies. I forget mm-hmm. what they're called. Like a big caliper-looking deal. Yeah. They're hanging from like a caliper sticking in their sides of their heads. It's like, is that the best way you could hang up a cadaver? Yep. I guess. Best way. Whatever. <laughs> so he's <laughs> really, I don't, how do you release him? How do you, I don't know. You look at this and it doesn't visually make a lot of sense, but uh, he's really, really yellow. And uh, when that guy gets reanimated, spoiler alert, um, he gets reanimated later. He's naked and yellow and trying to attack them. Hmm. Uh, the split dogs come to life, but um this is uh, this is the, what he's stuck doing while his friends, the movie punks, are cruising around in like a old car with big fins and heading out to try and party in a graveyard. Great soundtrack, all kinds of fun stuff going on. You got the cramps, uh, fun stuff like that. Uh, you have, let's see, we got Spider Gulliger. <laughs> we got Clue Gulliger. We got um, Linnea Quigley as Trash. And uh, the characters, I, I like to tell you who the movie punks are. Spider, Trash, Scuzz, Suicide, Casey, and Chuck. And Colonel Glover. <laughs> and Colonel Glover. Uh, so they're heading and out. And the punk, Burt Wilson. <laughs> that's right. And they're heading to go party in the graveyard. So that's going to be like the other storyline. That's the B story, as we could tell. Or as I like to think of it, the A story. Uh, that's my favorite part of it (laughs) for various reasons. So, um, so, uh, we've got, uh, we've got Freddie learning all this stuff and then, uh, they're sitting down at a desk across desks across from each other. And the uncle is just like, uh, sort of interrupts him flipping through the catalog with all the medical supplies and stuff in it and starts to tell him about, you ever see that movie night of the living dead? Well, that's, that's based on some things that really happened. And he starts to tell him that, you know, they, when this whole thing was over with, they collected the bodies and the dirt and everything. And the army was trying to ship them somewhere and they accidentally delivered them here and they're in the basement. Mm. So there's these canisters in the basement and he takes them down and shows him. 
And he's like, what if something went wrong? And he goes, are you kidding? Army Corps of Engineers, what could go wrong? And he like punches it or kicks it. And then all this gas comes spraying out and they both get knocked out. But the living dead creatures inside of these canisters come to life. Mm. One of which ends up being the tar man. Yeah. Who's played by someone named Troutman. I think uh, Ron Cobb was the designer on the oh yeah zombies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you had good people working on this. There was one of the uh, puppeteers from the Muppets worked on, uh, I think the woman who was missing from about the rib cage down. <clears throat> so they had, uh, let's see, here we are. Done by the same guy who does Elmo. Uh, let's see the characters of, <laughs> uh, let's see. There were, there were characters, Burt Wilson and Ernie Kaltenbrunner. They are, Bert and Ernie. they are contrary to popular, popular belief, not named after the characters from Sesame street. Dan and Dan O'Bannon had no idea he was using the names of those characters. Um, named him after the cop and the taxi driver from it's a wonderful life. <laughs> that's right. I remember the first time I noticed that I was like, yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Bert, Bert and Ernie. Bert, my lips bleeding. Bert. <laughs> Um, <laughs> those, those pedals <laughs> is that a guilty pleasure do you oh, enjoy, do you enjoy no. that one more than you should uh, yeah, I think you just no, did the Nicolas a, Cage remake that's a right. fantastic movie oh my god that's perfect it's a I wonderful life pedals. <laughs> oh my god Nicolas Cage how'd they get burned <laughs> so, um, so this kicks off the whole chain of events the gas comes spraying out of the canisters they get knocked out corpses are reanimated um the the yellow uh cadaver with the ice tongs in his head uh comes charging out after them they tackle him and saw his head off with a hacksaw or a bone saw or whatever and then it's like oh shit this thing is still alive it's in pieces and in trash bags now uh, what do we do? Well, my buddy over at the mortuary, he'll sort this out. We'll just go over there and he'll incinerate this for us. So they head over and do that. But then that puts uh, the chemical into the air and it starts to rain. And uh, meanwhile, the movie punks are partying in the graveyard. Linnea Quigley gets full on naked except for some thigh high stockings and some weird appliance. Um, so I don't know why they didn't just have her be nude. They covered her vagina with some weird Merkin. Yeah, some, I don't know what you would call it, but anyway, uh, it's like, well, it looks like she got waxed, but apparently it was some sort of a weird latex cover up. I don't know hmm. what, what they were doing there, but, uh, she's not that much less naked. So whatever she's dancing on a crypt and, uh, and the punks are enjoying this. And then when it starts to rain, it burns them because it's like acid rain and they do a really nice cutaway where you can kind of see through the layers of the ground and into the graves and all the corpses are reanimating no matter how decomposed they are. And that's when all hell breaks loose and they start erupting out of the ground. So they want to take cover. They go in the car, the car won't start. They finally make a run for the, uh, you need a medical supply where they want to get in. And by now the guys are back from incinerating the, the, the yellow cadaver and it seems like something's wrong. Freddie is not well and it turns out he's actually dead. He's cold and feels really weird and uh, he's not trustworthy. So I think they end up having to kill him if I remember right. 
don't remember if they killed Freddy or not. But they fool a lot of cops and paramedics into coming in. The uh, the uh, zombies actually uh, want to eat people's brains, and this is where the whole brains thing started. Yeah. 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 They're like, send more cops. Yeah. They're, yes. on, they're on the radio. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Brains. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, so the tar man thing, where when that guy gets loose, he just looks like he's covered in tar. That's yeah. why they call him that. So he's a lot of fun. Uh, what not to like about this movie? Well, I can't think of a single thing. <laughs> what, what criticisms have you heard leveled against this movie? Um... I think people look at it as campy or silly. Oh, okay. I can see why yeah. people don't like it. Yeah, but that's the style. I thought perhaps maybe it was the the zombies calling more cops. <laughs> that kind of sent a ghoul with a tool. Right. Well, this is straight up ghouls with tools. Like they... A daddy-o with a radio. <laughs> right. Surfing dead by the cramps. Yeah. Nothing for You by TSOL, Eyes Without a Face by The Flesh Eaters, Burn the Flames by Rocky Erickson, Deadbeat Dance by The Damned, Take a Walk by Tall Boys. There's a whole bunch of really crazy stuff on here. 45 Grave. Yeah, party time. Yep. The single version. <laughs> um, uh, and apparently there's one that's playing on Ernie's Walkman that's not officially on the soundtrack. That's Panzer Roland in Africa Vor by Norbert Schultz or Schultze. Not sure if you're supposed to pronounce it differently with the E on the end. Um, yeah, so it's got this great music that they probably have trouble licensing some of it now to put it on TV. I don't know. Mm, uh, maybe. But it is a good soundtrack. And I like it. I think the puppetry is pretty good on the, uh, on, the, on the creatures, the zombies. And uh, the makeups are pretty good on most of it. And I don't feel bad for liking it. Okay. But... You can't stack this up against uh, zombie movies that are quote-unquote serious zombie movies. But the whole concept behind it, the whole conceit of the movies are just silly anyway. They, they yeah. defy any logic or any laws of physics that you know would make it all fall apart. Yeah, it made enough of an impact that the, the brains thing is part of zombie culture now. Yeah, people don't even think of it as not having always been around, but this is where it all started. It's like, oh yeah, like in Night of the Living Dead. Nope. They weren't eating anyone's brains. I mean, they wouldn't have turned it down, mm. but they were just eating yeah, whatever. They fussy. Yeah. <laughs> they would just go for whatever. Um, interesting thing about this one, <clears throat> the, um, let's see, the budget on this thing, $4 million, estimated budget. It made 14237000 Wow. Yeah. So that was the domestic earnings. So I don't know what it made overseas, but that's pretty good. <clears throat> Let's see. Roger Ebert gave this thing three out of four stars, saying that it was kind of a sensation machine made out of the usual ingredients. And the real question is whether it's done with style. Well, it is. So there you go. All right. Um, I will watch this thing once a year easily, maybe more often, because uh, it's just fun. And I'm not ashamed of it. So, any thoughts on this one, Julian? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I liked watching it when I was at college. And certainly my friends were really into it. And then Yeah. Uh, I watched it again a 
few years ago and it didn't stand up as well as I remembered it. It seemed to lag in the middle. Um, yeah. It's been a long, long time since I've watched this yeah, one. I'll, I'll, I'll have to check out your Blu-ray. Yeah, for sure. So it looks like. Because there's some great looking zombies in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Uh, did you enjoy watching the reactions of people who weren't necessarily horror people or hadn't seen it before? Do you remember this at all? I don't think I, I put it on at any of our parties. No. Mm. That's a good one for freaking out the squares. Yeah, it'd be a good party movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, enough on that one. Let's talk about your movie. Well, talk about running zombies. Yeah. So uh, Nightmare City from 1980. Uh, this is... Lenzi, you said? Yeah, Umberto Lenzi. Uh, Inkyo Solacita Contaminata, a.k.a. City of the Walking Dead. So Umberto Lenzi. Yes. Do you know... I know the name, but I can't think of his films right now. So he, he's been directing since the early 60s. He okay. worked on like Peplum and Westerns, and uh, he got into Jello and yeah, uh, the police movies. and yeah, I mean, He does all the thriller genres. Yeah. Uh, but he, he did the first Italian cannibal movie. Oh, okay. And I think, uh, the, have you seen a Western called The Man, a Man, called, Man Called Horse? Oh yeah, yeah, is yeah. The man called horse, man <clears throat> named horse, with Richard no, Harris. It's a man called horse. So uh, this movie is like from 1970, where he's this, uh, uh, he's he's out in the wild west somewhere, and he he gets involved with this local tribe, and mm-hmm. he he goes through their sun ritual. Oh yes, which mm-hmm. at one point involves like uh, bone hooks being put through his pectoral muscles, and yeah. he's suspended from the roof for, yeah. for quite a while. And it's just uh, really hard to watch. Yeah. But I think this uh, really haunts Umberto Lenzi because breast violence turns up so much in his movies. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so he, he anyway he started out doing like uh, things like Peplum. He did like Zorro Contro Machiste, which I'd really like to see. Um, he did uh, Criminal, which is like one of the first. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like uh, darker superhero movies. Uh, he did a giallo called uh, Orgasmo. Orgasmo? In 1968. <clears throat> he did Eyeball, which is an awesome poster. I think okay. there's, a, there's a book of giallo posters which actually has the, the eyeball poster on the front. Uh, he did Spasmo in 74. Uh, uh, Was that a sequel to Orgasmo? <laughs> uh, Paranoia, uh, a.k.a. A Quiet Place to Kill. Um, and then the... Uh, by this time, Ruggiero Diodato was having his hits with his own cannibal movies. Okay. And uh, so in, in the early 80s, uh, Umberto Lenzi did, his, did another couple. So he did one called Eaten Alive. And he did another one, which was uh, Cannibal Ferox. Okay. A.K.A. Yep. Make Them yes. Die Slowly. Yes. Which, uh, yeah. So these movies I had to see when I was a kid because they were banned. Yeah. Yep. Um. And he also did uh, Black Demons, aka Demony Three. Although oh. it's not a, it's not part of the Demon series. Yeah, uh, which I've not seen. So anyway, uh, Umberto Lenzi. He also makes a cameo as a reporter in this movie. Uh, this is an Italian-Spanish co-production. I think it had some Mexican money in it because they made him uh, cast uh, Hugo Stiglitz in the lead. Um, he's a he's from Mexico City. Yeah. Uh, but he he did a, a few uh, Italian movies. Um, he was in Tintorera, 
and uh, Guyana Cult of the Damned. And uh, he was, he's also in this movie called Night of a Thousand Cats. <laughs> okay. Rene Cardona Jr. movie. And there's something about cats in these Italian movies. What is the yeah, deal? Yeah, this is like this is like a Mexican movie. It's kind of a bluebeard setup oh, where he okay. he like he flies into the into the city, and uh, uh, you know wines and dines beautiful women, brings mm-hmm. them back to his his castle that he's got set up in this like hilltop monastery. Yeah, uh, uh, kills them and, and throws the meat to his cats. Mm. Um. Anyway. <laughs> um. So uh, he goes to Glitz. Uh, uh, Lindsay wanted to have uh, either Franco Nero or um, uh, Fabio Testi or John Saxon in the league, mm. but he had to take Hugo Stiglitz. It seems like they didn't get along very well. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the kid stays in the picture. <laughs> yeah, he, he plays uh, Dean Miller, who's a TV <clears throat> reporter. So it kind of becomes like China Syndrome for for a bit. Okay. There's been a meltdown at the state nuclear plant, and uh, which is uh, and the the operation has been overseen by Professor uh, Hagenbach, who's going to come into the airport. And uh, Stiglitz has read a couple of his books. Who's going to go and see him at the airport and interview him about the crisis? So there's Hercules lands at this airport. Uh, this is filmed uh, around Madrid. Um, lands at the airport and outspill these blood sucking crazies, oh, uh, led by professor hagenbach and that's awesome somehow within this like hercules military transport they've acquired uh like knives hammers chains uh, axes okay. uh, there's even one with a sickle huh. uh anyway um so, so they they just the the door opens now comes the professor and they just immediately uh you know start uh, ripping up all the the soldiers and everyone who's come to come to meet them at the airport yeah and uh, so uh, uh, Hugo Stiglitz runs back to his, his uh, TV station, which is, at that point is um, transmitting this uh, show called It's All Music, which involves these like uh, dancers in these like 1980, like revealing leotards. Solid gold dancers. Yeah, just, <laughs> just dancing in this tiny little studio. <laughs> But, wow so uh he he cuts into that and he, he does this kind of like report and then they, he gets shut down from that you know it's very china syndrome yeah um but uh meanwhile these these uh these uh, infected people uh, uh people that they they can contaminate others and uh, so this thing is just spreading across the, the city so the military come into it and, and uh they're led by uh mel Ferrer, who plays General Murchison? Do, do you know Mel Ferrer? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, you know, you must know him from film noir. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he was he was uh, married to Audrey Hepburn for a while, and they did a few movies together. Um, yeah. He was so uh, by this point, he was in movies like uh, he'd been in The Antichrist and uh, Great Alligator. Okay. Uh, another Italian monster movie. <clears throat> anyway, uh, so uh, so. There's also um, uh, uh, Dean Miller is is looking for his wife, who's a nurse, uh, Anna, who's played by Laura Trotter. She, she's she's a doctor, sorry, uh, at, at the uh, local hospital. Uh, she was also an eyeball, um, and uh, so he's he's trying to get hold of her, mm-hmm. and, the, and the 
so by this point, the plot's kind of ended. The rest, this is like 20 minutes in. The rest, the rest <laughs> of the movie, you got like various sets of couples trying to find each other or, or get away from things and just what happens to them. And and like the 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 contaminated people, you know, they're basically running zombies. Yeah. So they're just coasting on style. Yeah. So, so these, these like the, the, the contaminants, uh, they're smarter, they're faster, they, they collaborate, they oh. know what they're after. You know, you know that humanity has no chance. Yeah. Just, just none. So you just you just wait to see what happens to all these these couples. So, uh, so you've got this couple. He, he's looking for the doctor, and then you've got the general's daughter. She's like uh, uh, with her husband, and uh, they decide to get away from the military busybodies and head for the country. And then you've also got one of the uh, the officers. He's got this uh, art, this uh, sculptor girlfriend who's way younger than him. Uh, but she's she's at this like a pretty impressive villa out in the country, and he tells her to just lock up. So she locks the front door and then wanders out the back door uh. and uh, leaves the door open. And she's kind of perplexed because there's this lawnmower going by itself, <laughs> and there's no one around. Yeah, um, it's, it's a good image. Doesn't make any sense, but um, so <laughs> so yeah. So they're, they're all running around, and uh, it's the the. Um, the contaminated people were break into the TV studio during it's all uh, it's all music. Yeah, and they just lay into the the, the crew and the and the dancers. So you have all these people in uh, in leotards being uh, stabbed, and uh, I, I counted the number of times women are stabbed in the breast in this movie. Oh man! Because as I say, guilty pleasure it offends you across several lines but yeah yeah kind of but still you like still like it so this has got like uh i counted 12 yeah. wow uh, that's that's not just accidentally oh well whoops we made this oh, the, yeah it's deliberate at that point yeah and there's one one of the dancers she actually gets her breast like cut off wow that's not cool man. no um anyway uh uh, one of my favorite lines comes up in, in the dance studio, I think, where, where they say, hold your socks on. Hold your socks on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep your hair on, granddad. <laughs> but anyway, so, so all the, uh, some of these various these couples come to various you know, bad ends. And then there's yeah. this, uh, the, the very end of it, the the, uh, the hero and, his, and the doctor, uh, they're, they're in this fun fair and... Uh, they they're like fighting for their lives, and they they go up this uh, roller coaster, so they're like like shooting away at the the contaminants coming up the the slope. Oh, and, okay. And this helicopter comes down, and you think they're going to be rescued. Um, the uh, uh, Lindsay didn't like the idea of them being rescued because he thought, where are they going to go? You know, the world yeah. is coming to an end. Where they're going to go? So he just has something else happen, which. Which make you have violent thoughts about your TV? Oh, um, so he watched enough Gilligan's Island. Yeah, <laughs> he knows how to do that. Um, anyway, um, two of the zombies are played by the uh, Delacqua brothers. Okay, uh, Ottaviano Delacqua played Wormface in Zombie Two. Oh, oh, okay. Um, the special effects by Giuseppe Ferranti. Um, and his team. He worked on uh, *Bird with Crystal Plumage* and. Uh, all the colors of the dark, and uh, he also worked on *Hell of the Living Dead*. The Hell of the, year, of the this Living Dead, which is worse than this movie. Oh um, man! Wow. Uh, I th- it's, it's less entertaining. Mm. <laughs> wow. 
But this movie uh, is just so ridiculous. Good. Nightmare City. Yeah. 1980. Uh, I'm going to check it out. It's on Prime. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, I can lend you the disc if you want to see a decent copy. Uh, but this was like a... He also took inspiration from, from this uh, actual incident in Italy. Have you heard of the chemical factory explosion at Seveso? No. No. So this is in 1976. Uh, six tons of D- TCDD were released over seven square miles. Oh, man. Um, this is one of the contaminants in Agent Orange. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it was just released over this northern Italian countryside, <sighs> including Seveso. Um, Reanimating the recently dead. Well, it, <laughs> it caused a lot of dead. Oh, fuck. Uh, killed uh, 3, it deanimated the recently living. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so 3,300 animals were killed straight off. Wow. Uh, they they slaughtered 80,000. Oh, man. Um, people had skin inflammation and lesions and uh, uh, chloracne. So I think that uh, might have influenced the, the, the kind of zombie makeup in this movie because it's everyone looking kind of crusty. Mm. Um yeah, and there was an increase in respiratory and carcinogenic problems for years to come. Now, again, tying into Return of the Living Dead, uh, the, uh, the the owners contracted out the cleanup, and the people said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of all this, the cleanup according to the rules. You know, the, when the disaster happened, the first thing was, don't worry about it. Well, once people found out about it, they said, don't worry about it. And then once yeah. people started getting sick, they said, oh, yeah, you should worry about it. Then they said, no, we're going to clean it up. It will be okay. So you know what happens after that. Of course. Uh, this French um, TV station tracked where the waste was being taken. And uh, the Italian firm had been contracted, took the barrels of the waste and uh, they left it in an abattoir in northern France. Oh, really? And uh, <clears throat> so it finally got found and all, and all 42 barrels got gathered and taken to Switzerland where they were burned. Oh. In, uh, in like the mid to late 80s. So huh. nine or ten years after the actual incident. Oh, oh man. And it turned into acid rain and reanimated all <laughs> Yeah. Like, recently did. So this, this, also, this actual incident also got made into an anime. Called uh, the life on Earth: The Summer of Dioxin in two thousand and one. Hmm. Um, Holy wow! Yeah. So, so there's, there's actual serious stuff behind it, but uh, the movie itself just ridiculously Sounds stupid, great. crazy. Now they don't super nuke, violent. They don't nuke the city at the end. They don't get around to that now. Oh, and that's the part I kind of you know somehow glossed over and forgot yeah, what, to mention. What happens is that they have all these planes uh, loaded with. Uh, something they reckon is going to detoxify everything. Mm-hmm. But by the time they get around to that, all the pilots have been killed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So. Wow. Says a lot about Italy. <laughs> Real shortage of pilots. Yeah. Uh, and the music's by uh, Stelvio Cipriani, who died last uh, Monday. Oh. Died, died October 1st. Well, wow. that's, that's too bad. <clears throat> so... Um, how many movies do you think there are where there's a an outbreak and then the government decides to you know curtail all this silly zombie activity or, or crazy activity? Because I know there's the crazies. The crazies, yeah. That's the first one that kind of comes to mind. But uh, how many of these do you think there are where the government's just like, well, too many to count. Yeah. Because they, they threaten to do an outbreak, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we know what to do. 
<laughs> they do it in the Blob remake. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's there's got to be a bunch. There's got to be over a dozen of them where that happens. And I still want to trace the um, the medicine cabinet trick back to its origins. I just yes. I, yeah. It's like we just need to have a contest for who can earliest. find the earliest instance of that. Because they've been doing that thing forever. <laughs> well, so your movie, do you recommend this one to just like fellow horror fans? Yep, it's uh, with a warning. Yeah. Oh yeah, it'll, it'll offend everyone. Yeah. Yeah, any other caveats? Just really... You know what you're getting pretty early on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's your own damn fault if, yeah. you don't, if you don't just decide to turn back. She was like, oh, an Italian zombie flick from 1980. Uh, what, what could be bad about that? Oh, yeah, is... there will be nothing offensive or gross <laughs> out about this. Yes. Uh, this is going to be a feat of cinema like I've never seen. I, there's no harm done for anim- to animals, which is good. There you go. There's this one scene where they're, they're doing like the, the Dawn of the Dead thing where there's this helicopter flying over a field and there's like hundreds of people running around in this field. And you can, if you if you look, there's somewhere in the middle of this crowd, there's this dog just springing about having a really good time. Oh, God, that's great. <laughs> oh, boy, what's everyone running well, about for? Everybody's <laughs> having a great time. This is the best day. A little, a little move we call Night of the Wild. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Night of the Wild. Everybody, check it out. <laughs> Bunch of happy dogs having gone wild. Um, mine, I definitely recommend to horror fans, especially, but I think anybody who. Uh, last time I was uh, in a conversation with a stranger about recommending a movie, and I think I've told you the story before, it was back when there were still rental places, and it was either Hollywood Video or Blockbuster, one of the two big ones that were left. And uh, this would have been back in probably the late 90s. I was in the horror section and there was this mom with like her early teen daughter, uh, like 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And her daughter had her friend with her and they were wanting to pick out a horror movie to watch for their slumber party. And they were wanting American psycho. And, Mm. and I told the mom, I said, um, cannibal Holocaust. Yes. I'm like, you're clearly missing the best one on the shelf lady. I spit on your grave. (laughs) Yeah, let's get these girls started right. Um, I said, excuse me, I, I have to say something here, but uh, that does end up with a guy wearing nothing but tennis shoes, splattered with blood, running with a chainsaw, killing women. And you may not want that full mm-hmm. frontal nudity for your daughter. Uh, but here's Evil Dead 2. <laughs> also has a chainsaw and some blood splatter, but nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really comical. Yeah, I said, this one's really scary and really funny at the same time. And I think this will be, and you know, th- these girls, whoever were at the slumber party, who are now in, I don't know, their 20s, early 30s, whatever they would be in, now. In nursing home. <laughs> yeah. In therapy. Yep. Yeah. In they're, therapy. They're, yeah. It, well, it could have been worse. Um, they, they're probably all like, oh yeah, Evil Dead too. Remember that time? I'm mm. sure it's become one of their things, at least for some of them. Yeah. Like, I did that. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I recommend uh, Return of the Living Dead to horror fans for sure. And for anyone who's just a tourist in our world, who is just like, oh, what's something crazy and funny and, mm. you know, yeah, scary my, at the same time. Uh, I've, I thought of Pieces, but we've already talked about that yeah. so much that, yeah. that Pieces is definitely fits into that crazy, yeah, morally offensive, yeah, <laughs> entertaining 
Yeah, there's there's so much going on, and, and will uh, I would say blood rage for you might. Oh dear God, yes, blood rage. <laughs> That's got blood a... rage is a guilty pleasure. It's not a good movie, yeah. but I love it. Yeah, between uh, between entrails of a beautiful woman and blood rage. Entrails of a beautiful woman. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That would yeah. be difficult. I could never recommend that to anyone <laughs> ever. Oh, Today I had someone ask me at work what my favorite horror movie was, and I said Suspiria, and she's like, "Is it gory?" I'm like, well, you watch someone get stabbed in the heart. I mean, you see their heart, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not gory by my standards. <laughs> Did you mention that you do a horror movie podcast? Oh, yeah. That's why she asked. Oh, okay. She's like, oh, yeah. Well, what's your favorite? So, oh. Suspiria. I'm not going to lie. So, <laughs> I, I have so many favorites, and that's one of them. Yeah. I, mean, I bought the Steel Book because, well, mm. it was brilliant. And Night of the Living Dead, you know, yeah. that, that's always going to be a favorite. That turned uh, 50 this week, didn't it? Yeah, it did. October. Yeah, that was first or second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they deliberately picked that October date, like we did, to start our show. And three years, guys. Wow. Three years. Yeah. 140-something movies. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Well, uh, I don't remember if we had anything. Is food? Food, yeah. yeah. So we want to talk about food. That's right. Then, then it'll be Halloween. Okay. Yeah, then Halloween. Like uh, We could tell people that's coming up for sure. We bought our tickets. We're going opening night, and then we're recording the next night. The, new, oh, right. uh, the relaunch of Fangoria is heavily about the new Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Has that hit the newsstands yet, or just subscriptions? Uh, subscriptions now, I think. For sure, yeah. Might be on shelves by the time this comes out. Okay, great. Well, we're recording on Friday. This drops Tuesday, well, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, however you want to look at it. This is technically a Tuesday podcast, but it's usually like 12.05 when I drop it. <laughs> Um, Tuesday podcast. So food-related horror next time. We'll pick. Yeah. We'll pick a few movies. Yeah. yeah, and talk about food and why it's so scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real. Yeah, so the, the scares are coming from the food. We're not going to do cannibal movies, right? It's got to be well, the, food, the, the food. food is the monster. The food somehow. is the monster, preferably. But you could pick a cannibal movie. Because uh, I thought of like delicatessen, which is yeah, yeah, it, it, it's more feeding people right, right. people than you know. I guess you could go uh, Soylent Green, sort of is that's a cannibal movie, but more of an unwitting cannibal movie. <laughs> yeah, most people weren't so aware think, that they were cannibals. <laughs> I think like Motel Hell isn't that about? Don't they eat people in that yeah, movie? Yeah, that's another, yeah. Uh, so. That's sort of cannibal, but I think maybe the inadvertent cannibalism okay. adds to the it's horror. More, more the Sweeney Todd style. Yeah, as opposed to pies. yeah, as opposed to just you know cannibal holocaust. Yeah, because I'm not watching that again. No, and no. The, and the anagram of meat is team and uh, well, team. I, and I don't really know meat what he was team. talking about. <laughs> uh, so, food related horror next time. Food related horror, and then. 2018 Halloween it will be the next episode after that all right and we will have a special guest for that show it's going to be fun um that should wrap it huh that should wrap it all right listeners thank you for listening stay off the moors <laughs>